0: The Dragon Who Came In From the Cold by Grace Dives. I do hope you'll like this book. It's a story I've been wanting to share with you for ages. Let's begin in the usual way. Chapter 1 In Woollion de Ware. The land of Woollion de Ware was very, very cold. Snow and ice covered the land for almost all the year and ice closed up the seaports so that it was almost impossible for ships to get in or out. It hadn't always been like this. Time was when the country enjoyed pleasant weather, and life was full of happiness, good company, and lots of fun for all who lived there. As the weather changed extremely slowly, Woolian Duerians didn't notice or suspect what was going to happen. It took a long time for the people, once snow took hold all the year round, to change their way of life and to cope with having very little homegrown food to put in their hungry bellies. They relied on their king, Humphrey, to make life possible for them. For a while he did, but as he grew older, he stayed at home more and more in his drafty old castle and concentrated on his hobby, cryptic crosswords. The more cryptic, the better he sent his son, Prince Horace, away to other lands to buy food and ship it back home to Woollian de Ware. What had the Woollian de Weirians to sell? Only timber and beautiful furniture made from the trees in the forests which seemed to survive the cold. These products were soon much in demand, so the Wullians relaxed a little and accepted their chilly way of living as best they could. But it wasn't very much fun. Well, you can imagine how hard it was to get about and meet other folk. It involved a great deal of wrapping up warm. Sometimes the children looked like snowballs themselves in their white fur coats and hoods. On his travels abroad, Prince Horace saw many wonderful lands and met interesting people. On one fateful trip he came ashore on a warm and beautiful island where he was to purchase a huge supply of luscious fresh fruit and juicy vegetables to transport back to Woolian de Oh, I'm getting tired of writing all that each time. Shall I just put Woolian for short? Well, this island was called Flimsy Garments and the sheikh who governed it invited Prince Horace to dinner. Since flimsy garments was always warm and sunny, the sheik was fascinated to hear all about the very different Woolian. Prince Horace made his homeland sound lovely, all sparkling and crisp and exciting. Someone sitting near the sheik fell completely under the handsome young prince's spell. Who was it? Why, the sheik's youngest daughter, Princess Delicia. You have already guessed it, I imagine... The two young people fell in love, and in no time at all a superb wedding was being held in the palace on Flimsy, and the young bride set sail for her new land with her new husband a few days later. She had packed all her very best clothes to take with her, her silken robes and scarves, her veils of lace, her satin slippers, her gauzy garments, everything of the most expensive sort and very flimsy, the sort of thing worn by all the young ladies on that island. Being a man, Prince Horace didn't think to advise his bride on the suitability of her wardrobe for life in Wullian. Blinded by love, I suppose. Soon the brave prow of the ship which bore them back to the young prince's homeland was cracking its way through the ice in the harbour as it headed for the quay. Delicia was entranced by the gleaming, sparkling sights she saw. She giggled with delight as snowflakes fell on her nose and the strong wind tangled her hair about her face. She even laughed when her whole body began to shiver with cold, an interesting new experience for her. The Woolian nation, from the slightly surprised king downwards, was delighted to meet the lovely young girl, "'and rejoiced in Prince Horace's good fortune. "'The happy young couple were given a wing of the tall, dark and, "'let's admit it, rather gloomy castle in which to live, "'and a wise lady-in-waiting was appointed "'to advise Delicia on the new wardrobe she would need. "'Are you beginning to wonder where the dragon is in all this? "'Please be patient.' It is always necessary to set the scene for a story. So, on we go. Before long, after all the first rejoicings, things went back to normal. By that I mean people stayed mostly in their homes, only venturing out into the cold if it was absolutely necessary. For a while, Delicia enjoyed exploring the hundreds of rooms in the castle, learning how to play Scrabble, even trying out a cryptic crossword or two to please her father-in-law. But eventually, she who had been brought up more or less out of doors, on beaches and in steamy, mysterious, amazing forests, began to long to get outside in the fresh air, however cold. It can hardly be colder out than in, she argued, when Prince Horace advised against going out. And, oh dear, she was right. The castle, all of stone, was extremely chilly indeed, and, of course, since timber was the only resource the nation had to sell for the food it needed, very little of it could be spared for log fires in the hundreds of its fireplaces. But Delicia was feisty, and once her husband had set off abroad on his next food trip, she began organising an adventure for herself she nagged and nagged her lady in waiting until the poor soul gave in and went to the stables where she appointed a young groom Ginty to saddle a suitable horse and accompany the princess out on her first ever expedition in her new homeland can you imagine how proud and excited ginty felt while the l in w went back to wrap up her mistress in suitable furs and mufflers "'Ginty prepared a glorious bay mare for the princess to ride "'and walked the horse to a side gate of the castle. "'Very soon a bundle of a princess emerged. "'With hoots of joy she mounted the horse very skilfully, "'dug in her spurs and clattered off, leaving Ginty way behind. "'He clambered onto his own little animal and chased after her. "'Well, they had a splendid ride,' and the princess was full of glee as she looked from side to side, marvelling at all she saw, and seeming unaware of the cold biting at her little nose. For a long while, such rides were a daily event. Delicia began to chat with Genty about absolutely everything that came into her head. She seemed much, much happier. Thank goodness, I say. Chapter 2 Going Up in the World Did the king notice these outings? No, too busy with crosswords. Did the courtiers have any concerns? If they did, they soon felt the edge of Delicia's very sharp tongue, so they kept their anxieties to themselves. But when Prince Horace returned, he was furious and put a stop to the adventures. He even docked some of Jinty's hard-earned wages, which wasn't fair, you'll agree. I suppose the prince was afraid his young bride would catch her death of cold, but even so, Jinty was only obeying orders after all. However, the princess began to droop again. She went about shivering no matter how many clothes she wore. She didn't smile or chat to anyone. Eventually she began complaining that every room was cold, wanted more heat, and when that was refused her, she took to her bed and only spoke a few words to visitors. One after another, duvets were piled upon the princess until the mound touched the lofty ceiling of her boudoir, but Delicia still complained of the cold. Get a ship ready, as soon as possible. I am going home, she declared. Prince Horace was horrified when he heard this and felt very miserable indeed. One day, the LNW had a brilliant idea, or so she thought. Recalling how happy Delicia had been on her rides with him, she suggested that Jinty might be allowed to visit the princess in her rooms, that he might possibly cheer her up. A little reluctantly, Horace agreed, and Ginty, all of a tremble, was summoned. He'd never been inside the main rooms of the castle before. As he mounted the endless stairs to Delicia's room, he was nervous, and much more cold here than in his hay-warm stables. Nervousness quickly turned to shock and then downright fear. As soon as Delicia saw him in the doorway of her room, she began to shout and scream at him, "'blaming him for all the misfortunes which had befallen her. "'Get out, you little rat! Get out! "'It's all your fault. I never want to see you again.' "'She hurled one pillow after another at him "'until he backed out of the door "'and ran hell for leather down the steps to the stables again. "'Now that wasn't fair either, was it?' "'Things seemed to be getting worse day by day.' In an effort to make life in Woolian a little brighter for his wife, Prince Horace daringly went to ask King Humphrey if he would consider installing central heating in the palace. He found the king with his nose buried in a huge crossword puzzle book. After he had heard what Horace had to say, the king lifted his eyes and stared at his son with a strange blank look. Then he suddenly burst into laughter and began to scribble again. <laughs> Fired down below, two words, fourteen letters. Central heating, of course. Well done, my boy. Thank you very much. And he took no further notice of his anxious son. The prince wasn't sure what to do. Had the king listened, understood, agreed? Nothing more happened for many weeks. Those servants who had overheard the incident talked eagerly about the possibility of more comfort to come. Jinty got to hear of it too, but took little interest. More and more he became the object of many a jibe and rebuke as being the cause of the lovely princess's decline. One extra cold morning he could bear it no longer, He leapt onto his favourite horse, clattered away over the castle's frozen moat, and galloped and galloped and galloped, he didn't care where. His face burned in the scorching cold wind, tears ran down his face, he could hardly see through them, he felt utterly miserable and alone and misunderstood. His steed revelled in the unusual freedom and flew over the snow-clad slopes, neighing and whinnying with delight, and up and up he raced until he reached the topmost summit of the highest peak in Woolian where he stopped out of breath and exhausted poor wretched Jinty fell off his back and lay weeping in the grass in his distress it seemed to him that the rocks all around were echoing his sobs uh, wait a minute grass rocks in snow-bound Woolian Surely not. Time to take a breather here. Talking of breath, have you ever wondered why dragons breathe flame? Most people think it's because they were fierce animals and used flames as a weapon. But we don't really know, do we? Back to Jinty and his problems. As his sobbing ceased, Jinty gradually realised "'that his face was pressed not into hard-packed snow "'but into bright green soft and luscious grass. "'He dug his cold little hands into the mossy mat "'and they began at once to warm up. "'He looked up and saw that his horse "'was happily cropping the grass, quite a luxury food, "'and pacing about a wide clearing "'round the top crags of the mountain. "'Here and there in the green expanse Jinty could see little flecks of golden yellow and pearly white. When he looked more closely, he decided that these must be buttercups and daisies, flowers he used to read about in old books when he was a little boy. Amazing! And equally intriguing, though he had stopped crying, he could still hear heart-rending sobs coming from somewhere quite close by. Hello? Who's there? Are you in trouble? Can I help you? Jinty got to his feet and walked cautiously towards where the sounds were coming from. He stopped in his tracks when he heard a huge roar and saw from a cleft in the rocks billowing clouds of flame and smoke. His horse, startled, reared up and dashed away back down the hill. Whoa, there, shouted Jinty, beginning to chase after him but the terrified animals soon disappeared into the forests. Pursuit was useless. Making his way back uphill, the lad called out, "'Why are you crying? Who are you? "'I only want to help. "'My name's Genty. I'm a groom from the palace. "'Sorry if my weeping and wailing frightened you. "'I'm all right, really. Just a bit sorry for myself.' "'Are you ready for the next bit?' This is what you've been waiting for. Sorry for yourself. What about me? Things must be far worse for me than you, I'll bet. No, don't come any nearer, came a rumbling reply with more gushes of smoke. Oh, do let me help. It's good to talk about your troubles, isn't it? There was a pause then. Yes, but when I talk... "'I accidentally burn people, and I don't want to hurt you. "'You seem kindly. Uh, "'Sorry, I'm confused. You'll have to explain.' "'After a deep sigh and a real volley of sniffles, "'which sent a fine burst of flame from the crack in the rocks, "'the voice said, "'Ever heard of dragons?' Genty could hardly believe his ears.' "'Yes?' I've heard of dragons. Chapter 3 Getting to Know You Well, I'm a dragon. But they disappeared ages and ages ago, interrupted the boy. There were all sorts of old wives' tales about how they breathed fire and carried off maidens to their lairs and... Here another deep moan from the dragon stopped him. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to accuse you, of course. We didn't disappear, another sigh. (sighs) We simply went to sleep. The land got too hot for us dragons. We like it cold, the colder the better. Many dragons developed the awful dragon disease, which can be fatal, you know. I remember my mother sending me away up a mountain because she said it would be cooler there and so perhaps I wouldn't fall ill. She was crying. I didn't understand why then. Though I I do now. Some sniffles here. Well, I climbed up and up, leaving them all behind until I was too tired to climb another step. I found this place and must have fallen asleep. When I awoke a little while ago, I, I went searching for other dragons everywhere. I couldn't find any, so I came back here. I'm hungry, and I'm lonely, and I don't know what to do. Now, Ginty was a bright lad, as you'll have gathered, and quick at putting two and two together. Ah... I begin to see what's happened, he murmured to himself. He'd heard many a tale of the olden days from the coachmen and stable hands. Long, long ago, they told him, Woolian had been warm, but then it grew cold. He began to think now, though, suppose Woolian had been cold before it was warm and then had grown cold again for a second time. I hope you are following me. The presence up here of a sleeping dragon gently breathing its way through hundreds of years of dozing must have warmed just the summit of the mountain, melting the snow and ice. So, here, and only here in the whole of Woolian, grass flourished again and meadow flowers bloomed. The lad plucked up courage. Look, couldn't I come a bit closer to you? I'd really like to see you if you don't mind, that is. Promised you won't be scared or scream or throw things at me? Certainly not. The very idea. Well, I'll hold my breath. You come into my cave, climb up on my head, use my scales as a ladder, I suggest, and sit up there near my ears. That way, even if I accidentally puff fire, I won't hurt you. I'm on my way. Suddenly all Jinty's trouble seemed to die away in the face of this new and thrilling happening. Very, very carefully he found the cave entrance and though he had to stifle a gasp at the sight of the mighty beast he saw, he obeyed the dragon's instructions. It was easy to mount from tough scale to tough scale up to quite comfortable place between the dragon's rather small pink ears. He sat down cross-legged and began at once. I think I know what has happened. First, this land was cold and you dragons and lots of other creatures as well, broke in the dragon, and lots of other creatures as well, continued Jinty, getting excited, had the place more or less to yourselves. But then the land got warm and you couldn't cope with the heat. You got ill or you fell asleep. Either way, you were scuppered. He could feel the dragon's scales begin to bristle upwards in annoyance, but he pressed on regardless. Now, though, as it has become cold again, you dragons have started to wake up and you're okay again, is that it? Seems that way. But, oh, I'm very much afraid that no other dragons have survived. Well, I haven't found any. Can you wonder why I'm so miserable? And the poor beast began to weep again. Jinty patted the soft place between the dragon's little ears and murmured soothing, silly things to him. He did really feel sorry for the animal, but was bursting with more questions he wanted to ask. At last it was quiet again, so he asked, Would you very much mind explaining why you dragons carried off maidens? It seems rather an unkind thing to do. Well... We wanted chums to play with and so on. You know, the sort of thing all youngsters like. And if we tried to approach boys and young men, they would throw stones and shoot arrows and fire guns at us. The girls were much kinder and ready to make friends. Ginty thought about this for a while. Then deciding on a less touchy subject, he asked, What's your name, please? "'Promise you won't laugh if I tell you?' "'Of course not. Why should I laugh?' "'It's Tibbles.' "'Naturally, Ginty did laugh. "'Well, you would, wouldn't you? "'A dragon called Tibbles.' "'At once a huge burst of flame shot out "'as the dragon began to cry again. "'I know it's not a name commonly given to dragons.' But I was the smallest of my family and my mother always said it was a darling name for her darling little dragon baby. And now I haven't got a mummy or anyone. There, there, Tibbles. I'd love to be your friend if you'd let me. But do do you think you could stop crying for a while? It's getting rather hot up here. Tibbles sniffed a little more but then stopped with a deep sigh. "'I I, I have one more question,' said Jinty a little nervously. "'Why do you breathe smoke and fire? "'It's clever but rather unfriendly, don't you think?' "'Now, how on earth,' Tibble sounded quite exasperated, "'do you think we could possibly keep our insides warm "'if we didn't have hot breath?' "'Cold is fine for our outsides, but our insides don't want to be frozen do there. "'And if we are running about, it's surely no surprise if occasionally we get a bit puffed "'and just happen to let out a blast of our lovely central heating, "'which has been known to uh, cause the odd accident, I have to admit.' Jinty felt as though he'd been hit on the head with a hammer. A wonderful thought came to him as he heard what Tibbles was saying Central Heating. Chapter 4 Brain Wave. We need another of our pauses just here while I explain something. Cast your minds back to the gloomy old palace. At the very depths of the building was a great maze of rooms underground. Some were left nice and cool. Food and wines were stored there. Others had large fireplaces round the walls, with chimneys reaching up and up past all the other floors of the castle to the very topmost turret. Down in the dungeons, the palace laundry was washed and hung to dry. Water used to be heated here for baths for the royal household who lived in the many rooms above. King Humphrey, in his younger days, he had been quite a clever lad, had invented and had built a cunning lift shaft which carried huge buckets of warm water up to the floors where it was needed. For this the servants were very grateful. It is extremely hard work carrying water about. Have you ever tried it? However, now that the weather was always cold, these huge spaces were left dark and gloomy and hardly used at all. Wood simply could not be spared for any cellar fires, which was why the castle had become so bitterly cold, you see. So, about this wonderful thought that came to Ginty. A sudden vision had come into his mind of the underground rooms of the palace, "'Just like a huge and cool cave, "'the very sort of desirable residence for a dragon, perhaps?' "'Tibbles?' "'Yes,' came the rather mournful reply. "'How would you like to come and live in the castle where I work?' "'And Ginty described what he had in mind. "'He spoke of the castle dungeons, "'of Princess Delicia's unhappiness,' of her threat to leave her young husband and return to her home. Now, Tibbles, if you would agree to come and live in the lovely cool dungeons, you would be well-fed and watered, and just think how famous you would become. People would want to come and see you, for none of us has ever seen a dragon, you understand. Why are you suggesting this? asked Tibbles a little suspiciously. He was remembering the bows and arrows and stones and bullets which he had had to learn to dodge in days gone by. Missiles thrown by fierce and angry people. Because you can help us such a lot and everyone will admire you for your skill and kindness and no one, not a single person, would ever wish to harm you, urged Jinty, now becoming very excited you would use your magnificent hot breath every day for a very, very good purpose. You could puff it up all those chimneys I spoke of, and in no time at all the castle would be warm, and then Princess Delicia wouldn't want to go back to her home, and everyone else would be happy and cheerful, and, oh, it it would be so wonderful. Please do say you'll come. Silence Try as he would, Ginty couldn't think of anything more he could say to persuade Tibbles, so he just sat stroking the dragon's soft little ears. At last he heard in a quiet, thoughtful tone from the beast beneath him, So, you'd be using my central heating, is that it? You know I am warming to the idea. At that, Ginty burst out laughing, Oh, Tibbles, <laughs> You said warming to the idea, get it? A joke. Tibbles gave a huffy puff of smoke and he too began to laugh. All right then, let's do it. Now we're hot on the trail. <laughs> Another joke, see? His huge body heaved as he chuckled. He chuckled so much that in the end Jinty was bounced right off the dragon's head and went tumbling down onto the gritty floor of the cave. There he lay, still doubled up with laughter, excitement, relief and just a little shiver of fear. What had he started? To execute the next step in his plan would require all his courage. Then all at once, he felt more than ready for the challenge. He leapt to his feet, ran out of the cave and danced about on the green meadow outside. Round and round he gambled, and before long he was joined in his frolicking by his new friend, a great, big, purple-winged dragon, whose scales rattled and clattered as he danced. At last, they both fell down exhausted, rolled over onto their backs and waved their legs in the air. It was all very strange indeed, and really rather wonderful. Then... "'Tibbles?' "'Yes!' "'Tibbles was hardly able to speak through his giggles. "'I've got a problem. "'My horse has run away, "'and I certainly can't walk back to the palace. "'It's much too far. "'Any ideas?' "'I think I can help you if you will help me first, "'cause I'm stuck,' said Tibbles. "'The spikes along my back have got buried in the grass "'and I can't move.' It took some time, Jinty pushing and Tibble's heaving, until the jagged row of spikes along the dragon's back was drawn out of the grass and he was able to stand upright again. Now, young Jinty, about your problem. I'll fly you home if you like, but I must first just test out my wings. Haven't used them for such a long while. The great beast moved away a little and began stretching and flapping the fan-shaped purple wings on his shoulders, while Ginty watched amazed. I leave you to imagine the excitement of the flight home, the sights Ginty saw from high up, the descent to the castle, and the concealing of the dragon in nearby forests, while the lad made his way into the courtyard of the castle. And now picture the bold young fellow demanding to see the king on vital business. "'Gone was the unhappy, weeping, puzzled and resentful lad "'who had fled away a few days earlier. "'Nor did he quail when he stood before the king himself. "'King Humphrey was, as usual, buried in a crossword puzzle book "'while Ginty said his piece. "'Was the king listening?' "'At last the royal head was raised "'and the old royal eyes focused on the boy. "'Did you say, dragon, my boy?' Yes, Your Highness. The King looked back at his book. Thirteen across six letters. What do boring history lessons do? Drag on. (laughs) That's it. Dragon. Excellent. The King scribbled away delightedly. Thank you, my boy. I was really bamboozled by that clue. Yes, by all means, go ahead. You may go now and Ginty was waved away from the king's presence. Job done then. Chapter 5, Heat Wave Well, not quite. Of course there were a great many things left to sort out, and a great deal of explanation and reassurance to be given by Ginty. He had absolute faith in Tibbles but you can quite understand, I'm sure, that others were a little uneasy. Legends about dragons and their bad behavior were at the back of most folks' minds. However, Prince Horace was so desperate not to lose his lovely young wife that he backed Jinty all the way in his extraordinary scheme. Meanwhile, the lonely dragon hid in the nearby forest, visited now and then by his new friend, who brought all the news, as well as some delicious titbits to supplement the diet of handy, luscious evergreens, which the dragon was enjoying. Yummy! The day came at last when everything in the palace dungeons was ready for the new occupant. Riding proudly on Tibble's back, Ginty guided the dragon through the streets of Woolian towards his new home. Wasn't it fortunate that the streets of the town had been made good and wide, Mainly to prevent the build-up of snow from simply blocking them. Now, would you believe, they were a perfect dragon width. The Woollians crowded out to see the sight with flags and banners. They gasped, then cheered as Tibbles approached. Chatting all the while, describing the layout of the town, cheerily responding to the crowd, Jinty did all the right things to give his new friend the courage he needed. "'as he approached the huge castle. "'There was one moment of panic for the great beast. "'As he perched on Tibble's back, "'Ginty felt the dragon's scales beginning to rise in fright. "'It was when the band of the first Woollian warriors, "'drawn up in ranks by the moat side, "'suddenly broke into a rousing and extremely noisy march "'and then played the Woollian national anthem very loudly indeed.' But feelings of happiness and excitement soon returned, and Tibbles grew calm again. When the huge doors to his new home were thrown open, Tibbles slithered gracefully inside, and everyone held their not-hot breath. Would the dragon like it? Yes, he did. He saw at once the gaping, empty fireplaces all around the walls, moved swiftly across to one, puffed gorgeous warm air up its chimney, then proceeded to pirouette round, doing the same at each of the many other openings. You could hear a huge gasp from the waiting, watching crowds outside as they saw puffs of smoke emerging from the dozens of chimney pots on the castle roof. Was it going to work, then, this central heating? Up in her boudoir, still buried under the duvets, Princess Delicia had taken no notice of all the preparations, nor did she hear the noise of the crowds outside, nor the music of the military band. From a window in the room, her L.N.W. stood anxiously watching the dragon's arrival. Twenty minutes passed. Suddenly, the L.N.W. heard a muffled rustling behind her. Turning, she saw that the topmost duvet had been flung off, and as Tibbles, down below in his new home, happily wheeled round and round, puffing his wonderful hot breath up the palace chimneys, so Princess Delicia dispensed one by one with cover after cover. At last she emerged, red-faced and a little sweaty. "'I'm warm, Ellen W. In fact, I'm almost too hot. Hooray! Cancel the ship home at once, please. I'm staying.' In rushed Prince Horace, who had been listening at the keyhole. There was a lot of hugging and kissing. The W waved her handkerchief from the window to show all was well. Cheers rose again from the crowds below. The band struck up more merry tunes. The people danced about. The castle grew steadily warmer, and at that day's end, the king put down his crossword book, summoned Jinty to the now cosy king's parlour, and with his royal sword declared our brave young groom, Sir Ginty of Woolian. What a day! As darkness fell that evening, one happy dragon curled up in a nice cold dungeon. The palace people went to sleep in warm beds up above him. Princess Delicia put on one of her flimsy garments, which she'd brought from home. Flimsy garments? get it? Which pleased her happy young husband a great deal, and Sir Ginty went back to his new quarters close by the dungeons, weary but triumphant. His wonderful idea had worked. As he lay waiting for sleep, he smiled to hear gentle snores coming from Tibble's bedchamber. "'Oh!' "'Things are going to be very different from now on,' he sighed happily. "'I know what you're longing to ask. "'How could a dragon possibly talk, let alone speak Woolianese? "'Do you know, I've absolutely no idea. "'And it doesn't really matter, does it? "'Let's leave it there for the moment, shall we? "'By the way, is it just me?' Or is it really very warm in here?'